looked and behold, the heavens were opened. A ninth season. <laughs> we believe in the Trinity. We believe in the five solas. We believe in the doctrines of grace. lot of the time people are asking the wrong questions they're not asking the questions like do i understand god's grace do i understand the cross have our own ministry. It doesn't matter if you work as a CEO or you work at McDonald's or whatever you do, or whether you're quote unquote in ministry, you have a ministry. As we mature, we walk, we, we enjoy our relationship with God in as much as we see his majesty in the blessings that we have just by what Yeshua has done for us, not by what we have done to impress God and then get something from him. So faith, but, so, so salvation by faith. Absolutely. Salvation by faith. I keep zeroing in on these, you know, the big ideas. Like, what is biblical love? You know, what is what is grace? Do I have an accurate understanding of God's grace? Our love for Yeshua, but His love, like through us, is why we're doing what we're doing. And that's why it's called Messiah Matters. Wednesday, November 29th, 2022. This is, I'm sorry, 23rd, 2022. This is Messiah Matters number 409. Back in the information station. My name is Caleb Hag. I'm also back, but not in the information station. I'm Rob Vanhoff. Yes. So I told Rob when we came on that uh, I that this was going to be a short show. And we're this will be the first time that we say it's going to be a short show. And it's actually going to be a short show because we have a we have a timer. It's actually just going to shut down. No, <laughs> even if we're uh, because, I, I just hey man, I got to tell you when when you go to a conference for a week long like outing, uh, you get back and there's just so much to do. They, uh, we're, we're, I'm just so behind. I feel like I'm drowning. And here's the thing: we get back, and then of course, you know, yesterday. We got back on Monday night. Yesterday is a like recovery day. I'm kind of trying to do work, but I'm also trying to get the family, you know, back in the swing of things and whatnot. And then we have today and then tomorrow we have off. So it's real. it's really messing with me. Yeah. Well, it's been a, how was your trip home? I've, I feel like I've been with you all week long, but yeah, it's been a couple days. 
Yeah, it's great. It's uh, thankfully Denver to home was just like a two hour flight. And I think we had a favorable wind. We arrived even like 15 minutes earlier before the schedule. Right. I know your, your guys, it was a little bit longer, but at least it was a straight shot, which is nice other than any kind of connect connecting flight to get. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, it, it was draining. You know, doing doing two papers on one day. So Sunday I did paper in the morning and paper in the afternoon. Right. And because of my nerves, I couldn't really eat. So I had like, like your dad and I went out in the morning and got like, I had like a coffee with, you know, like a latte and he had some tea and that was it. You know, I think I had a pro, I I had a protein shake in the morning. I've never seen anyone. I've never seen anyone uh, that gets so verklempt as Rob over pre- uh, presenting papers. Yeah. And so what I'm doing, everybody's I'm waiting for the day that Caleb gives two papers at the same day at SBL. I'm going to videotape him the whole day and we can uh, compare. <laughs> I, don't, I don't get nervous like that. Do a paper at SBL okay. or two or two. And we'll see if you handle yeah, got, that, then, then kudos. My last paper got rejected. Yeah. I submitted a paper, got rejected. All right, so yeah. let's uh, let so for those who might watch this and don't know what in the world we're talking about, Rob and I have been uh, for the past week, along with the rest of the staff at Torahresource.com. I should probably put some uh, some credentials up here for you, by the way. Before we get started, 253-465-3205, you can also shoot us an email, see Torahresource.com. And we're talking about Torah Resource, the company that we work for. Torah Resource uh, goes to the Evangelical Theological Society every year and uh, also the Society of Biblical Literature. And uh, it's a it's a good time uh, had by all. Um, we we spend the time connecting as a team and uh, just kind of talking about all things Bible. Um, we eat a lot out together and and connect over food, and then we each go our separate ways and watch a myriad of papers. And on whatever subject we want and whatever subject we're currently interested in. I'll talk about that here in a few minutes as well. And uh, then we connect again, and uh, and we usually talk about the papers that we've seen. Now, this year was, was quite different than uh, previous years. And the reason why is because normally what happens is we all pack into a single hotel room. And you got, you know, two guys in a bed or a guy on a couch or on the floor or whatever. It's just, it's a mess. And so this year, um, my family went with me, which was also a very new and interesting experience. So uh, my two kids, uh, my two oldest children went and stayed with their cousins who live right outside of Denver uh, because they don't get to see them very often, obviously. And uh, then my two younger children and my wife uh, stayed in the hotel with me. And uh, that was very good because I didn't have to be away from my my wife and my uh, two younger children for uh, eight days. But at the same time, it made things very, very interesting. But beyond that, we, our team in total had three hotel rooms. And so normally the time that is spent uh, laying on bed, on the bed, looking at your, uh, at your book and trying to see what, what, uh, lectures you're going to go to the next day. That was, uh, that was, that was missed. At least by me, it was, uh, I'm sure you and my dad did that a bit. eh? Yeah. I, your dad and I spent pretty much the whole time together. Like that's good, pretty yeah. much every meal, every paper, um, for the most part. Um, so 
it was great. We talked about scripture, life, you know, the challenges facing both these societies, you know, the ETS and the SBL. Roaming the book, uh, the book displays, of course, complaining about this or that theological uh, misstep. <laughs> yeah. I, I, so uh, I, I just want to paint a picture for those of you who have never heard us talk about this before. Uh, the ECS has a book display that is, I would say, um, maybe five or six rows long. And uh, it's all the major, uh, major um, theological publishers, Zondervan, Crossway. Um, there was a Net Bible. There's uh, Wiffenstock. There's, I mean, you name it, they're there. And uh, you can get just about anything that you want in the, on the th theological horizon. Once you get to the Society of Biblical Literature, uh, it expands to probably about eight to nine um, rows, uh, quite a bit yeah, bigger. It's huge. It's huge. Uh, both Logos and Accordance Bible Software is there trying to sell uh, whatever possible software they can to you and all the packages. And really, although the book display is fun to look at all the books, the, the book display is actually the hotbed of places just to connect with whoever you want to connect to. And to get free stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody's trying to give, I, I used to be the guy who would go and try to find all the best free stuff. And now I'm like, I don't want any of that. My kids are just going to throw it around the house. So I, I'm not that guy anymore, <laughs> but uh, you could, you could have a plethora of pens and, and uh, whatever else you want. But the th here's the nice thing is that uh, when you're in the book display, whether you're at ETS or SBL, depending on which one you're at, you'll see a, a, a slew of different people. So for instance, at the ETS, you're, uh, you know, if you want to talk to Dr. Block or Dr. Averbeck or uh, Dr. Kaiser or uh, John Piper or any of the, you know, um, William Lane Craig, or you're, you're going to find them. I mean, you can go to their papers, but it's a rare chance you'll be able to talk to them. If you find them in the, in the book display, you can carry on a conversation. And so that's really where a lot of people go to uh, just hang out and chat. So it's that's really like the heartbeat of both of the conferences. Um, I actually didn't spend, I spent a lot of time in the book display this, this year, but I didn't, uh, I had some good conversations. Um, but I don't know, things were a lot different with my family. I felt guilty that my wife was in the, uh, it was snowing in Denver. We didn't have a car. Uh, there was really nothing for the kids to do. And so my wife was stuck with the, the kids. So I felt a little bit guilty. So I was constantly trying to uh, to trade off with her so that she could go see papers and whatnot, which is really good. I, I actually, I'd prefer for her to go see papers because I think it's one of the things that I've found about the ETS at least is, and we'll talk about the SBL here in just a second. But the uh, uh, one thing that I've found about the ETS is that it's, uh, every, you have to f sign a faith statement to, to uh, be a member. And um it really is a time for me to be built up uh, in the Lord and to feel camaraderie with people who are I might not dis I might disagree with and and I might not agree on on everything, but uh, at least it's uh, seeing the the body of of the of Christ alive and um, and just being able to be with people that you know are like minded. And so that really is a boost for me. And I want my wife to get that too. So it was it was great that she was able to go and she didn't get to see a lot of papers, but she did get to see some papers. Now let's talk about the SBL. <laughs> I I don't think I'm going to the SBL next year. I used to I used to love the SBL the most. I don't think I'm going to go next year. It is so liberal. It's ridiculous. In fact, the breaking point for me was when I saw the queer commentary on the Bible in the book display. Um, the gender neutral bathrooms 
were uh, did it for me as well, but not nearly as much as the queer commentary on the Bible. Um, talk a little bit about the downhill spiral of the uh, of the SBL. Yeah, I didn't see those two things, um, but wow. Yeah, I'm not. I mean, it's not. It's not surprising. I know I was looking in the program, and there are many uh, different units that are along those same those same lines. Sadly, but of course, right. with this um, SBL, you have the AAR, American Academy of Religion. It's like Caleb was saying, they're not uh, based on any conviction or shared faith statement, but rather um, an allegiance to some sort of quote unquote academic. Uh, worldview. Oh, they're woke so, for sure. Yeah, it's it's so. Yeah, it's 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 kind of disappointing. Thankfully, the areas where I uh, usually go to hear papers, they're they're really insulated from that because they're not focused on um, on social readings or anything like that. It's more like my favorite papers were like on the Greek Middle Voice. You know, just it's like Greek language. Um, Paul's use of of the Tanakh and First Thessalonians that was a great paper. Um, uh, ancient Aramaic inscriptions, so new in, new inscriptions that are in Aramaic, and uh, a couple of the presenters are from Israel. You know, their Hebrew is a first language, so their English is kind of hard to hear. You know, because they're speaking through it's a, it's a second language for them. By the way, which I thought was pretty awesome. You know, they're coming to. You know, it's a foreigner coming to our lang- our land and then using our language rather right. than their native. But like, you know, I've done two papers at Hebrew University and I did them in English because I was too intimidated to even try to write it. Even if I wrote out my papers in Hebrew and had time to work on them, still, it's just that's a big uh, uh, kudos to those scholars. And it's not just from Israel. We have scholars from Germany, from France. Um, who's uh, one from Poland, I know, that come and deliver paper in English. And I think that's really admirable. But again, the, the section, the Masora, the Midrash, really wasn't touched by this as people who are doing close readings of, of biblical texts and, and, and uh, you know, the associated literature such as Midrash or Masora, and then tr- trying to understand it on its own terms, not really... Uh, you know, touched by or influenced so much, at least at this point, by the the wokeism you see and the AAR, maybe more broadly, or reconstructions of the Bible. I I'm not into the sections uh, that take the Bible and try to cut it up and, and like it's a a cadaver mm-hmm. on a on an operating table. And we're just, oh, well, this is from this source, so we're going to cut this limb off, and this is, and then and they just treat treat the Bible as if it's a cadaver, you know. Yeah, this and, is from uh, P, but this is from D, and yeah, and I, I'm just it, it doesn't do anything for me. I mean, it's it's first of all, it's it's completely speculative, you know. We, but the, but they write tons of books on this, you know. They give a lot of papers that presuppose a a uh, what they call the documentary hypothesis, which means there's many source documents that sometime in the Babylonian exile or even early second temple era are stitched together and made into what we know now as the Bible or the Torah or Isaiah, etc. And um, I just, I, I'm just not drawn to those. So 
um, it's it, the SBL for me is a very focused, narrow arena where I get to inter, interact with top scholars that have a shared interest with me. Even if, even if on a faith level, like for example, the the midrash section is full of uh, full of Jews, you know, that are giving papers and that are either orthodox or conservative. And uh, uh, but but we're there with a shared focus on on uh, on a topic that we can all benefit from the discussion. And so yeah. now I saw a picture of you giving your lecture. And if I was not mistaken, Nehemia Gordon was sitting in the front row right next to, right next to you listening to your oh, paper. Yeah, yeah. He he uh, he he introduced me. Did he really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, I, I, I used, he was very he he was very uh, cordial, and he didn't he didn't comment on my paper. I had a couple, I had I had a great my that was my Masora paper, and it there, there was a couple uh, uh, kind of exciting Q and A uh, uh, moments after that, and then and then privately after this, the unit was over, it was really great, really helpful stuff that uh, nothing changed my my thesis, but it, the feedback I got helped me learn how I can sharpen my presentation and make it even more, make my case better, you know, to be right. even more persuasive uh, by, and that's one of the things that is the difficulty of, see, I'm not right. I, I understand why you, if you're feeling like you're not feeling it, you know, coming back next year, but for me, it's, it, I, I'm kind of right now I have mixed feelings about it because on the one hand, I, I feeling similar, I think, to how you're feeling about the influence of the wokeism. Uh, funny note about the, the di different colors of the stickers. Maybe we could talk about. Oh, yeah. Mike got a picture of your dad that was funny. But the other is that there is a there is a real benefit in terms of you know being able to present to people who you care about their feedback. Like if you know if you're if you're going to give a paper to people you don't care whether they agree or not or whether you know that's one thing. But when you're presenting to people that already have, you know, a baseline of, of knowledge in that domain and you want, you want their feedback because that's going to help you, A, if I'm, if I'm saying something that's glaringly wrong, I need to know it. I, right. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to benefit from running with a football if I'm running the wrong direction. You know, I, I don't want to score a touchdown for the other team kind of thing. So, so, uh, there's a will and that's part of my nerves, I think is like, okay, you know, I'm putting myself out there and here it is. Um, but it's not a, you know, that at least the places I've given papers have there's, it's led to some tough back and forth, you know, some like, Ooh, some a little tension, but nothing that is, um, what do you call it? Like, it, it's not, uh, people don't have really bad attitudes towards one another uh, in so, in the in my narrow experience. So let's talk a little about a little bit about some of the papers that we actually saw. I think one of the best ones that I saw was actually on um it was called I think it was well, I'm, I'm going to forget the the title of it, but it was on sexuality in Leviticus and th th this was at the ETS, but even at the ETS when you hear things like sexuality um you kind of go oh great Right, like, oh, that's. Do I really want to go see this? Is this some kind of a you know a woke preacher or whatever? And it wasn't. Um, this person 
was talking about instances of, uh, of various sexual sins within the uh, book of Leviticus and how, uh, particularly the holiness code, and how this would actually uh, be, how we should view this in our modern day. Um, one of the major points that he made in his paper, which I thought was really interesting, and this is one of the things, you know, the the, uh, the ETS has a theme every year. This, this year, the theme was on holiness. And so uh, I was interested to see how various scholars were going to uh, navigate the, the uh, topic of holiness uh, at the ETS. And I've said for years now that I think that there is a, that there is a reformation going on in the body of Christ. And I think that the ETS this year confirmed that to me even more so. Uh, Dr. Block, who is probably one of the leading Old Testament scholars um, that is still doing work today, uh, has recently written a book in, in which he says that he uh, believes that uh, Christians should be keeping the Seventh-day Sabbath and that he himself is now a Seventh-day Sabbatarian. And uh, this person came out and said that the... I want to be really careful because it's a very sensitive topic, but that the laws of a uh, of a husband and a wife abstaining from um, sexual interaction while it is uh, that the woman's time of the month uh, should be followed by Christians because it is not a, a ceremonial law, and uh, therefore it must because and he this is kind of one of the thesis of his paper. It was, is that it wasn't a ceremonial law, but rather it was a moral law and it had to do with death and, and, uh, sin and morality. And so, uh, I found that to be fascinating because, uh, even laws that most Christians wouldn't think about, uh, we have scholars now saying, yeah, we should probably be keeping this. Hang on. I'm going to get up for just a second. I also got, I also got a great book. I, I think, Three or four of us got this book, as a matter of fact. This is by another leading Old Testament scholar named Dr. Richard Averbeck. Uh, for those who have been following Rob and I for the whole time, you may remember that uh, back 11 years ago, 10, 11 years ago, I think 9, 10, 11, anyway, we interviewed Dr. Richard Averbeck, and uh, that was a great interview. It was, it was a lot of fun. I want to say that was Baltimore but I could be wrong. It was Baltimore. You are correct. Um, and actually, I talked to Dr. Averbeck about that. Um, but he just came out with a new book. And this, I think it was 2021. It's called The Old Testament Law for the Life of the Church. Um, I have been reading it uh, pretty fervently since, uh, since I stepped on the plane. I'm about halfway through right now. And I have to say... Uh, I, I don't know what his conclusion will be, but I am fairly impressed. Actually, you want to you want to quote? You want to hear a quote? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I didn't buy that. Okay, uh, let's see. So well, I have not read it. I saw your I saw your I flipped through your dad's copy a little, little bit, but I didn't. Uh... So this is in his introduction. Once again, I've not read this whole book, and I don't know what his conclusion is. However, this is in his introduction, page thirteen. As for myself, I am convinced that the threefold division of the law, and of the law is not in there, but he's, that this is what he's been talking about, of the law, is neither legitimate nor helpful. From a biblical point of view, for resolving issues of the application of the Old Testament law to the church and the believer. In fact, 
I will argue that the New Testament applies the whole law, including the so-called ceremonial parts, to the church and the Christian life. It is not a matter of whether the Old Testament law applies, but how the New Testament applies it. Well, there you go. So I, I like to think, <laughs> call me crazy, but it's, I, I mean, I think Baltimore was 10 years ago. I think you're right. I th- or yeah. nine years ago. I think it was when we kicked off our Robin Caleb show. We're close. Yeah, to- we, we actually started the Robin Caleb show uh, a month after we got back from Baltimore. Right. But so, so uh, Dr. Averbeck knew where we were coming from 10 years ago. Right. Yes. And what we were advocating. And so I like to think that this is a little bit of saltiness coming from, and they know who your dad is and they know your dad uh, for 20 years plus coming to ETSSBL, proudly wearing his, his kippah, seat seat, serving as he did for years in the accordance booth, talking right. to everybody about Yeshua and the Torah. So, uh, I can't say that Dr. Averbeck uh, is not even, he has to have thought about this. You know what I mean? He's thought about people who, who follow Yeshua and the law. So he has an entire, many, many, many years. He has an entire uh, appendix on Messianic Judaism in that book. Oh, wow. So he says, and I read, I started to read the appendix before I started to read the book because I was like, oh, this will be interesting. And he says, now, so, now this is how he starts it. He said, I'm paraphrasing, but he says something like, um, now many are going to say that I'm a Messianic Jew, but I'm not. However, I've known many Messianic Jews. So I don't know how that fits into his conclusion. And I, I want to paint a picture for... Uh, uh, Dr. Averbeck is is a just a delight to not only listen to but also to chat with. He is uh, extremely personable and uh, just a, a very kind and, and gentle person. However, if you want to know what uh, Dr. Averbeck looks like, he looks like Rick, Richard Dreyfus, and he kind of talks like him too. He kind of has a higher voice, like you know. So think of what about Bob? Richard Dreyfus, <laughs> isn't that isn't that Richard Dreyfus? <laughs> okay. And what about Bob? Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, yeah. That's uh, that's Richard Averbeck for you. Okay, um, so that was probably one of the better sessions I saw. Um, every session that I saw at the SBL was presented by a uh, uh, progressive liberal. Not I didn't know that when going into these lectures. They were all on uh, the Torah or Leviticus. Um, and uh, what I mean by that, that d- doesn't necessarily matter to me, except for the fact that, as Rob said, they are uh, chopping the uh, they're chopping the the Torah into different uh, authors, and therefore they're saying, well, you know, this passage can't relate to this passage because it's, you know because it's, it's from a different, or, you know, this writer decided to put an introduction to this passage because he thought that this other writer was, was wrong or, or needed more expansion or something like that. And to me, I think you're right, Rob, it it just kind of lowers the whole weight of the paper. Um, so I saw a, the one that really stuck out to me was a paper on, um, cutting oneself for Baal. And how that uh, how that would shed light on the biblical passages of and the prohibitions against cutting oneself. Um, and actually, in that paper, although the person who 
um, who presented it seemed to be uh, uh, of the more progressive liberal bent. I say that because they had uh, they they kept their mask on the whole time, so it was a little bit hard to uh, to hear them. But also the SBL. They have decided to uh, provide different colored stickers uh, for people, and the uh, the green sticker means if you put a green sticker on your badge, it means I'm open for uh, handshakes and hugs. And if you put a yellow sticker on, it means I'm okay for uh, fist bumps and elbow bumps, but please don't get too close. And then red stickers mean please keep six feet of distance. Um, and of course, my father, being the uh, the comedian that he is, decided that he'd put all three uh, across his forehead, and then ask the staff if he was doing it right, um, which actually was probably one of the better jokes my father <laughs> made. Anyway, um, so the funny thing is, is that most of the uh, non-liberal attendees just don't put any sticker on their badge. It's like this is stupid. I'm not doing this. And, um, so uh, pretty much if a person had a sticker on their badge, you kind of knew that they were of the liberal bent. Um, and this person certainly had a yellow sticker on their badge. Anyway, uh, the, the paper itself was very interesting in terms of, uh, and this is something that I didn't know, but, uh, within the Baal cult, they believe that Baal would actually die and that, uh, to bring him back to life and to, uh, to have him, uh, bring rain once again on the earth, they would cut themselves and the spilling of blood on the ground would actually, uh, bring him back to life, uh, so that rain would come. And so I thought that that was uh, kind of a little interesting back background to the Baal cult within the Torah itself. But outside of that, I didn't find any of the other papers at SPL to be, uh, I mean, it, it, I, I didn't find them to be now granted. I didn't go to Rob's papers. I was uh, I was doing other things, so certainly there were two good papers at SBL. Well, I hope so. I hope so. Anything? Any other takeaways from ETS and SBL? ETS, uh, your dad and I went to one of the plenary. It's like one of these giant room sessions, and it was uh, well, actually went to two of them. One of them was by Doctor John Oswalt, who he wrote a great commentary on the Book of Isaiah. And um, I was excited to, to see him talk. And he had a really great teaching uh, about um, holiness. As Caleb said, the theme of ETS was holiness. And he hammered, it, hammered down God's holiness so well. And he was talking about how, I mean, he was talking about how commandments reflect God's holiness. I mean, it was like, wow, drinking it up. And then he just puts this line in there. Well, we know that, uh, a lot of these were object lessons were temporary object lessons for Israel in the wilderness, uh, wilderness or something like the Sabbath oh, and all this other stuff. And I was just like, <laughs> you, Oh no, you didn't. <laughs> it's like, that was, that was just like, how could he sneak that in there? Like food. He said, Oh, we know. And it was just a one line gloss. We know from Matthew 15 and Acts 10 that those were just temporary object lessons and don't apply to the church or something. And I was like, Oh man. So you go read Dr. Averbeck's book, you know, but anyway, I, uh, it, it yeah. So that kind of thing happens. And then a second one we watched was uh, a lady, 
um, who was a granddaughter of one of the early presidents of ETS, which was really cool. And she gave a stellar paper. And even, and, and Tim, that's Caleb's dad, went up afterward just to talk to her and say, hey, is this going to be available? She thought it was going to be available maybe in an upcoming ETS or JTS is the journal or somehow it'll be available. But basically she went through, uh, it was basically uh, Augustine's view of holiness with respect to Pelagius. And what was amazing and she's an Augustine scholar. So I'm going to, I might switch between Augustine and Augustine. So same guy. We'll so basically, it. you know, late fourth, early fifth century uh, debate between these two figures about the nature of free will and uh, other things that are associated with that. And um, she's the first half of the paper was, was basically how she feels Pelagius has gotten a bad rap. And she, she set it up so wonderfully because it sounds like she's a, she's quoting all this really good stuff from Pelagius. You go, Oh, I kind of agree with that. I kind of agree with that. And, and she's using Pelagius's own quotes against popular conceptions in the popular world about Pelagian, you know, salvation by works. And so she, but, but she does it in a way to whittle down to really get a refined picture of Pelagius. Then she, part two is Augustine and she does the same thing. And then she holds these both up and says, so what's the difference? And at a core level, she says, it, she sees, and, it, and I thought it was very convincing, has to do with intimacy with God, that Augustine had a true intimacy with God that was crucial to to his understanding of, of who God is, the scriptures, the life, you know, the role, you know, what is it for a believer to do in this world, all this. Whereas the way she un unpacked it, and like I said, convincingly, so Pelagius had this distant view of God, like God was always watching. And so performance-based um, to get up to please God rather than the, the intimate relationship that Augustine had. And that's, I thought, I think there's something to that. I wish I could remember her name, but um, she's got a book coming out on uh, Augustine and, and the free will or something of that, uh, uh, something of that nature. Um, what was the other point that she, there was one other aspect that I thought was really good, but it escapes me right now. But that contrast was, was really, really helpful uh, in my view to understand it was important to her to present a profile of Pelagius based on a lot of quotes. And I imagine she's translating, these are her own translations from Latin, right? She's not depending on translations. She's immersed in, in the original texts of, of both these writers. And um, yeah, and, there, and it was very touching too, because there was times where she was talking about, uh, you know, God's grace and she was like tearing up, you know, I mean, she it was, it was really great. So I, I'm really bummed that I, there's like a hyphenated last name kind of thing. <laughs> but if, you, but if anybody looks at the plenary uh, papers, if you want to chase it down, just look at ETS, you know, Denver 2022 plenary speakers. And it's the one on uh, Augustine and, and uh, Pelagius. 
Yeah. All right. Well, I think that that's going to do it for us. As I said, uh, short show today, but we're going to hopefully be back in the swing of things. We got a couple of uh, good questions that we want to address. And if you have a question, you too can send them to us. First, you can leave us an email, or a voice message, rather, 253-465-3205. It's 253-465-3205. You can also shoot us an email, chegatorresource.com, C-H-E-G-G, atorresource.com. I hope that everybody has a good Thanksgiving. Uh, it's one of my favorite holidays. Uh, and uh, the reason why is because, well, we get to eat so much, right? It's awesome. So um, I hope that everybody has a good uh, Thanksgiving. And like I said, we will be back next week uh, to talk more about everything. We hope that this conversation has done at least one thing. That is to glorify our great God and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. You know why? Well, you know why. Because Messiah matters. Messiah matters.